Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 77 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Land. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how are you? I am great. I am back from a weekend of bachelorette partying with Magina yeah. with Magina Gleason. Heck yeah, Gina Gleason. Regular listener of the podcast, submitter of many of our listener stories, whom we love uh-huh. and adore with all of our hearts. Yes, yes. And she is getting married to Kevin in April. And Kevin is a very sweet man who I will uh, hurt if things go wrong. Wow, that took like a really dark turn real fast. I'm just kidding, Kevin, even though Kevin doesn't listen to the podcast. But just in case Kevin ever listens to this. Love you. Just this one episode, and he's this like, whoa, Kayla, coming in hot with the threats. Jesus. I mean, that's. I feel like that's, like, my job. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, knowing you the way I do, I kind of feel like it's just implied. <laughs> like, I don't even think that people, you would have to say it. I feel like if Steve did something really terrible to me, he should just know. <laughs> the wrath of Kayla is coming. So we went and we got some Luce pizza. Nice. Um, they went to Trample by Turtles. I did not go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We went and looked at Gooseberry Falls, ate at the Rustic, got some wonderful uh, drinks at Vikra. Like just nice. a generally relaxing, amazing weekend where I got to spend tons of time with Gina and with my friend Alex, who I don't often get to see, and she's amazing, and with my friends Devin and Brittany, who I don't often get to see, and they're amazing. It was just a really, really good time that is awesome i also like how you essentially did like the touristy things oh yeah as someone who lives here well and so then oh also we went and had a bonfire at brighton beach so that's always fun yep but yes we did all the touristy things and throughout the entire experience people were all like oh wow it's so beautiful it's so cool and i'm like it's here and then I had to, like, <laughs> take a step back and remember that... Not everyone gets to see that every day. You lose something when it's a daily experience for you. And, yeah, you know what? When you don't think about it that way, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, so, it is. <laughs> very nice weekend. It was a good time. And Gina Gleason is amazing. And I'm very excited for her to get married. And I love her very much. So. And you're pretty okay with Kevin as long as he does nothing to her. Exactly. Untoward. Exactly. How was your week slash weekend? Uh, It was pretty good. You know, I've just been kind of hobbling around with my leg. A lot of people staring at me and not knowing what to say. A couple <laughs> people are like, what did you do? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty purple still. I do still wish that you would paint little white stars on it because now it looks like a galaxy. Um. Went to the Trampled Show. That was fantastic. It's weird because I was, we were sitting there with Margie and Steve and Hillary, and it kind of dawned on me that the last Trampled Show is the one I emceed with 18,000 people. And then this time, everyone's like, do you have to do anything for work? I was like, no, I'm just sitting in the back. I didn't go into the crowd or anything, one, because... I can't walk very well. <laughs> My goodness, if I get bumped into, I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. So, yeah, I just stayed in back, sitting on a hill, drinking Ben Paddle beer, hanging out with Hillary and Margie and Steve and Hillary's mom. It was great. It was great. 
Yeah, I had a few people that actually backed out that I heard because Jenny Lewis didn't show up. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I was just like, I could go stand in a giant crowd of people or I could sit in my hot tub. And you love your hot tub more than anything. Except for Sean. Except for Sean. You are 100% correct. (laughs) On the Gina level, Uh I was inspired, as we know. Oh, yep. When friends visit from varying Mm -hmm. places, I'm like, I should talk about something from there. So I have an Austin, Texas story for you if you have a second to listen. You know, I have more than a second because I'm guessing it will be about uh, 25 minutes long. I I think it's shorter, maybe like 15 to 20 this time. Okay. Okay. Well, I definitely have that time for you. Let's, uh, Let's crack into it. Have you ever heard of the Littlefield home? No, I don't think so. Okay. On the campus of the University of Texas in Austin sits the Littlefield home. It was built in 1894 and was the residence of Civil War soldier and banker Major George Washington Littlefield and his wife, Alice. It was built for $300,000. In today's money, that is $10,196,372.09. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. Another source did say it was built for $50,000 at the time, but more sources said 300000 so that's what we're going with. And it sounds way more impressive, yeah. so yeah. Big difference there. One's, woo. Yeah. I don't know which one is correct. Either way. It was constructed using bricks imported from St. Louis and mortar mixed with quartz to give that house the sparkly effect from the outside. According to the university's website, It would not be possible to tell the story of the University of Texas without the mention of G.W. Littlefeld. His love of education and generous gifts can be reflected throughout the campus. The house is an Austin landmark and one of the few remaining examples of the grand Victorian mansions that once peppered the university neighborhood. But they don't anymore? No, really, this is one of the few that still stand. Still stands? Oh. I also would like to point out, like, Civil War major... Pretty sure he was on the shitty side, but I did not, like, every source conveniently wiped that out. So seeing as the fact that they did not make an effort to say, hey, he was a Union soldier, makes me think that he was on the shitty side. Right. Uh, Texas. Texas. So just throwing that out there that I am aware of that part. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, I like how you just kind of glossed over it initially. And I was like, okay. All the sources glossed. And then I was like, we're going to call back to that real quick. All right. Everyone in town knew them to be a friendly and very loving couple. Both of them loved children of any age and believed in higher education. Their marriage produced two children, but sadly, both of them died soon after birth. But they Mm -hmm. had a lot of nieces and nephews. And their nieces and nephews became their focus they were like the ultimate aunt and uncle and they had frequent visits to the house and the Littlefelds paid for the college educations of all 12 nephews and 17 nieces okay I was gonna ask did they also advocate for the women Mm -hmm. the the girls to be educated yep more nieces than all right and then they started each nephew out in business and gave each niece a new home Everyone in the family worshipped Uncle George and Aunt Alice. Yeah, I mean, other than that whole Civil War general (laughs) thing, 
Yep. He seems pretty cool. Littlefeld died from pneumonia in 1920, and he left the house to his wife, obviously. And then mm-hmm. the house was left to the university after Alice's death in 1935. It became a part of the campus, and it is the oldest building on the central campus, according to Littlefeld's great-great-grandson, Dr. David Gracie. Occupants have included the music department, the Navy ROTC, and today, the university events office. The first floor of the home is host to, like, events. They set it up so people can have events there. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like a banquet hall? Yep, for both the university departments and student organizations. And outside entities are not allowed to, like, have things there. It's purely for university events. Okay. The Littlefeld house is rumored to be haunted by Alice Littlefeld. Legend has it that Alice was locked up by Littlefeld whenever he was away on a trip. It was well documented that from 1912 to 1920... Alice suffered from an unknown mental condition. It's either unknown because it's not documented or unknown because mental health wasn't taken as seriously back then. Mm -hmm. That led to serious cases of delusion. It was said that she would often express thoughts that people were going to kidnap her or that she might be killed by people who were envious of her and her husband's wealth. Alice's frequent episodes of hysteria in the Littlefield house prompted her husband to bring her to a sanatorium for medical advice. The Mm -hmm. doctors were like, you should probably keep her here. And he was like, no, Mm -mm. I love her too much. That's my wife. That's my wife. So sanatoriums are terrible. Against the doctor's advice, George Littlefield brought Alice back home and hired three nurses to look after her around the clock. That is so much better than what most men would have done. Yep. Well, Gracie says that he can't confirm whether or not the house is haunted. He does want to clear one thing up that I had mentioned previously. The Mm made-up stories that Littlefeld imprisoned Alice in the attic, there was nothing even that simply no concept, said Gracie. He says that the rumors are ridiculous, that Littlefeld loved Alice intensely, and Gracie's family... Littlefeld's descendants all confirm that information. I mean, yeah, I could definitely see if she's, if he's leaving, she has nurses, but she has these like really intense episodes of like delusions. Yeah. Then a sort of locking up is probably happening so she doesn't hurt herself or others. Yep. But I'm guessing it's not like she's chained to a wall in the attic. Exactly. The hauntings at Littlefeld. And I keep saying Little Feld, but I can't tell if it's Little Feld or Little Field. I'm just going to keep saying Little Feld. But just in case there's any Texans, including Gina out there, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I'm sorry. Oh, you just wait till we get to my story. The, ha- <laughs> the hauntings at Little Feld House emerged soon after Alice's death in 1935. Many who worked or visit in the mansion claim to have seen the apparition of Alice roaming along the common areas. The window on the attic's turret, which can only be accessed via a small hole from the attic to the inside of the turret, can be seen opening and closing at random times of the day. Other sources have claimed to see her face peering through different windows. Sometimes it's her looking in and sometimes it's her looking out. Oh. So people have seen her from outside the house looking out and then people inside the house have seen her looking in. Uh, Just from the 
attic or it says like, windows throughout the, the house okay okay I, I missed that part others have reported ghost sightings in the home like shadows and full formed apparitions unexplained bumps in the night and the granddaughter of a staff member said that her grandmother had the aroma of a ghost from working in the building workers also say they have seen alice playing the piano during late night hours and others say that items have been moved from one area to the other without their knowledge wait i'm sorry that little girl said that her grandmother smelled like a ghost no, that her grandmother smelled a ghost. Okay, I thought you said she, she, a granddaughter of a person who worked in the house, claimed that she had the aroma of a ghost after working there. No, that's what like, the words were, what? but I'm just choosing to... Okay. I'm choosing to think that she means her grandma said she smelled something. A ghost, something. It makes something way more sense that way. Spooky. Yeah, Okay. I agree. I was like, what do ghosts smell like? One source, a 2016 article from TexasHillCountry.com, claimed that there was the sound of running on the staircase and screams of fright heard almost nightly. Well, that's not great. Carol Sablin, an event planner who used to work in the house, is quoted by The Haunted Places as saying, Sometimes I feel like running rather than walking out, and I become afraid that maybe the door won't open and I'll be trapped in here. What what a horrible thought to like, as the event planner, you're always there at night, probably one of the last ones in there, and to be like, oh man, I bet when I get to that door, it's just not going to open. Staff of the administrative offices have also reported feeling an overwhelming sense of uneasiness when entering the office in the early morning. And the rumors have it that there is a portrait of George that hangs in the area and that his left eye follows you wherever you go. But that could just be just the left perspective. One? Yeah. Okay. The ghost of Alice is also said to haunt the Littlefeld residence hall. Many former students who have stayed in the dormitory claim to have experienced a bizarre coldness swooping over the halls. That said, most stories retold by students have painted the apparition as a friendly ghost who does nothing more than a slight tap on the shoulder. As people get close, they feel cold and feel an odd, like, just kind of general uneasiness. Not a scaredness, but just something's off. Mm -hmm. But then with that, they seem to recognize that Alice is nearby and just keep about their business. Like I said, no one seems to think that she's scary or that they're afraid of her, other than, of course, the noobs. But then it's quickly passed on, like everything in University Legend, that that's all it is. And right. they accept that Alice isn't going anywhere and continue to go about their lives. Good. Good for them. Although George, Alice, and their housekeeper also passed away in the home, Ashley Osborne, a journalism junior, told the Daily Texan that she had no haunted experiences when coordinating a Halloween event at the house for her professional spirit group, the Texas Bells, in 2018. She said... I heard some rumors about Alice's nervous breakdown, but when I took a tour of the house, I expected it to look eerie, but it was gorgeous. There was no sense of spookiness only because the decor was old and typically that is associated with spooky. When asked to comment on the rumors, the executive director of the university events, James Hooker, 
denied the Texan, the Daily Texan, an interview with employees who work in the home. Basically said, uh, don't bug my people. Leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want to encourage the rumors. He told them, part of this whole thing could be because Haunted ATX, which is like a local haunted tours place, Mm -hmm. includes this house on their tour, says Susan Threadgill, associate director of the production of University Events. This was in an email. She said, I can't count how many times I have interrupted their tour to make them move their hearse out of the circle drive. Okay, but just because they're theatrical in it doesn't mean that they didn't find something that indicates real hauntings. Yep. Uh, Being a diehard skeptic, nearby resident John, no last name included, just John. John. Okay, John. Thought that the haunting of Alice was just a tale passed down from student to student originally, which is what he told Backpack First, which is one of those blogs that talks about places you can visit and they seem to focus a lot on spirituality and hiking. All right. Those things mix a lot, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the places where you could go hiking are pretty spooky. So he told the blog that while he thought the tale gave the university a touch of character and culture, at the time, he didn't believe a lick of it was true. I've just seen too many paranormal things be debunked, I guess, he had said with a laugh. I never believed any of that stuff was real until one day when my girlfriend attended an event at the Littlefeld house. After that, she told him what happened, and he said, I can say without pride that it was a major paradigm shift for me because I know she's a reasonable skeptic as well. One of the academic clubs she was involved in had an impromptu meeting at the house because their usual meeting spot at the library was being used. The meeting was well underway when she went to go use the restroom. However, Mm -hmm. the bathrooms were temporarily out of order on the first floor, so she decided to see if she could use a bathroom up on the second floor where the offices are. She climbed the steps, located the bathroom, and conducted her business. But when she stepped back out into the hall, she noticed a photograph on the ground that definitely wasn't there before. Now, most people who go to University of Texas know all about the Littlefelds and their numerous contributions they made to the school. So when my girlfriend looked at her details of the photograph the decor in the picture, and everything, she presumed that the picture had belonged to Alice. It was definitely old. There was a large oval mirror in the background that you didn't see much of these days. Mm -hmm. But in the foreground was this old-fashioned mannequin that was used for making women's clothing. The top half looked eerily like a human, but from the waist down, it was made out of wood pieces structured together to fit dresses on. Right. My girlfriend stood there admiring her find, thinking about she should give it to the school board when things got very crazy. She told okay. me that while she looked at the photo, the woman mannequin turned her head to look at my girlfriend and gave her a strange smile. My girlfriend described it as maniacal. Oh, what? But Why? She was so caught off guard that she dropped the photo as if it had burned her. And she said that it started to fall, but disappeared before the picture hit the ground. Uh, Okay. Now my girlfriend is one of the most practical people ever to attend the University of Texas Austin. And if it rattled her that much, then I truly believe the house is haunted. That is something out of a horror movie. Right? As for the piano noises upstairs... 
there's this generally agreed upon thing that if you're downstairs, you can hear Alice playing piano upstairs. But, and I only found this on hauntedhouses.com, specifically the Texas part. They had a couple of interesting theories from back when the building used to be used by the University of Texas's music department. Uh, Yep, that makes sense. Right off the bat, I can already tell you that makes sense. (laughs) One user posted, The piano music from the second floor is Schubert. Was Alice Littlefield this advanced in her studies? Just wondering. And I am assuming that this is a reference to Franz Schubert, who was an Austrian composer. So they're saying, like, this was really skilled music that was being played. And then another user posted right beneath that. When I was a piano student at UT in the 1960s, I used to practice on Sunday afternoons in the studio of my piano teacher, Werner Harder. She had a large room on the second floor surrounded by the veranda. I had my own key, and I loved being there alone and practicing as long as I wanted without interruption. But I wasn't alone. I heard footsteps, doors closing, and various other noises, and there was simply no explanation for it. It didn't frighten me at all. I was intrigued. But Verna Harder was a very respected piano teacher for many years at UT, and she had made many students. So I was not surprised that the sound of piano is heard from the second floor. And it was signed Cheryl Orton McDaniel. And people don't have to sign their names to Haunted Houses websites when they make a post. So I'm extra apt to believe the fact that they included their information on there. So the building may be haunted by more than Alice. And as a musician who was and is friends with many music majors, I could easily see how some people would be drawn back to those practice rooms where they spent hours and hours of repetitive time in their life after death or even if it's a residual haunting that's what i'm saying like we talked about that like hours and hours we've talked about it with lighthouse hauntings we've talked about with anything where somebody's doing an activity repeatedly well any music major will tell you that they played the same song over and over and over again in that practice room and then they played a different song over and over and over again in that practice room they become Mm -hmm. a huge part of their life so i'm intrigued by that yeah uh, it, it definitely sounds like it's something more than just Alice on that one. Oh, definitely. Because, yeah. So that's the story of the little Feld, little field? The little lefts. The little lefts house in Austin, Texas on the University of Texas campus. All right. So other than the piano playing, Alice is supposedly the only ghost. There. Right, right. But, okay, so do you think the fact that her interactions vary wildly from, like, really pleasant to really unpleasant has something to do with her potential mental health, her, that situation? Like, is the fear coming from the paranoia and fear that she herself felt at times in that house? Think about it this way. Are the reactions that unpleasant? Like I thought you said that. Some people, the the woman who was worried that the door wouldn't open. Yeah, but like it that was worried is... of. Like, that's a just general, that's that's on the human. That's on right. them saying, oh, I felt like this because I'm uneasy. There's a feeling of uneasiness, which is, you know, I mean, that's logical when you're dealing with another entity from a different realm. So, but right. there's nothing that I found. They, they dealt with footsteps, things moving, but nothing overly malicious. Okay. I was just 
mostly going based upon the way that people describe their feelings because the students were like, oh, I felt uneasy at first. And then I realized, oh, it's fine. But the woman who worked in events, she continued to always feel uneasy. And so I was wondering if there was some sort of a, a, a link to Alice's like paranoia. I mean, and it's, that's the uneasy feeling. I mean, it's the, possible. The now vibing on. It's possible, but I put that more on the on the humans than on the ghost. Because okay. if they're not vibing with the ghost, that's on them. Right. Right. Uh, what about that photograph, though? Yeah, Blech. that's weird. That is that's, weird. That seems malicious and yucky. <laughs> so on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a... F- 4.25. I was going straight three. I'm mid-ground. I'm not convinced either way. And I don't strongly want it or not want it to be haunted. Right. So I'm middle of the ground. Honestly, that photo, that guy, he was he just kept being like, I thought it was hooey. I thought it was hooey. And, he, and then he went on record to be like, okay, maybe it's not hooey. Yes, that's very true. But also, and I mean, this could be like... The university staff went on record as, like, not letting them interview, like, this, not letting this newspaper interview staff. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they're not welcoming of paranormal investigators to show up. I mean, they don't already don't like it when that haunted tours place shows up in their drive. Well, they show up in a giant hearse, and that's just <laughs> over the top. So I'd feel more inclined, I think, to believe it. Like, this was probably one of those hauntings where I could have been swayed if there was paranormal investigations. Ah, but they won't allow it. Therefore, therefore, I in stay a place of limbo. Yep. All right. All right. That's legit. That's legit. So Gina Gleason, Austin, Texas, midway rating of a haunting. Seems about right. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh. I have a story for you. I'm ready. But before I tell it, I do have to do a content warning. Okay. Now, I don't go into any great details of any of the deaths that happen at this week's location. However, there is a reoccurring mention of various kinds of death. Some of them are self-inflicted. So if you are not in that headspace, you got a great story from Kayla. So no worries. We will see you next week. And if that's the case, we love uh, you. See you next week. Exactly. So and and for those of you who are interested in continuing on with us on our journey, uh, we are going to Italy. Ooh, and those overseas that means, locations. Heck yeah. But that also means that I'm probably going to butcher these names. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. My mouth doesn't do that. But I'm going to try. I'm really going to try this time. Title so even if I, Yeah. Even if, even if I sound really, really stupid attempting. Yeah, I just I just went right over whatever you said. Something about a sex tape. <laughs> I said, I said, title your sex tape. Because you were like, my mouth doesn't do those things. But I'm going to try. But I'm really going to really try. try. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I just. sister (laughs) listens to this podcast, Kayla. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so tonight I'm going to tell you about the Palazzo Dario, a.k.a. Cadario, a.k.a. The House That Kills. Ooh, 
fucking yeah. Okay. 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 What? So the Palazzo Dario, I listened to the um like how to pronounce a name.com mm-hmm. and this is this is the closest I can get to what they said. Palazzo Dario is a Venetian Gothic style palace built on the Grand Canal in Venice, Italy. It was commissioned by the notable architect Pietro Lombardo and built in 1479 for aristocrat, secretary of the Venetian Senate, diplomat, and merchant Giovanni Dario. Pietro Davio. I'm just attempting yeah. it. I'm t- I'm attempting it. I was just seeing it. Uh, Pietro is Lombardo. Pietro, Pietro Lombardo. Lombardo. Okay. So when Dario died of a seemingly natural, peaceful death in 1494, it was inherited by his daughter, Marietta. Marietta. Along with her husband, Vincenzo Barbaro. I'm going to have huge pauses between these names trying to f- figure it out in advance. Vincenzo. Uh, and Vincenzo Barbaro Vincenzo. was a wealthy spice merchant. They, however, were not the owners for very long. After their ownership, no, after taking ownership of the Palazzo Dario, the wealthy Vincenzo lost his family fortune and then was stabbed to death. It starts off real hot. Yeah. Um, not long after, his wife Marietta, unable to handle the grief, committed suicide in the Grand Canal. After which, their son, Vincenzo Jr., took ownership of the palace. And for a while, everything seemed fine. The residence was often used by the Venetian Senate, who rented it out uh, for to house the Turkish diplomats, which totally makes sense because Giovanni Dario was known to have negotiated the peace agreement between Venice and the Turks. So all those Turks were like, yeah, you can just come stay here where Giovanni lived. Super cool. But yet again, it was not long after Vincenzo Jr. became the owner of Palazzo Dario that he too suffered a tragic fate. While in Candia Crete, Vincenzo Jr. found himself in the middle of an ambush and was ultimately killed. The palace's ownership was then transferred over to the Barbaro family, relatives of Vincenzo Sr. That is, until they sold it to an Armenian jeweler by the name of Erbit Abdol. Erbit Abdul, like Vincenzo Sr., also went bankrupt just a few years after purchasing the Palazzo Dario and was forced to sell it to an Englishman and historian named Rowden Brown at a fraction of the price that he had originally invested in it. According to legend, Rowden Brown was the owner for just four years when he too suffered great financial difficulties, and it is said that an affair with another man was discovered and made public, after which he and his partner committed suicide within the palace. Though several of my sources claim that Rowden actually lived a full life until his natural death in 1883, but the story goes that after he was found out to be a gay man, both him and his partner committed suicide, Mm -hmm. potentially a murder-suicide. Okay. The Palazzo Dario was then passed on to a Hungarian count, then a rich businessman from Ireland noted simply as Mr. Marshall. And then by 1896, the palace was purchased by Countess Isabel 
Gontran de la Baum Plevenel. Isabel. Isabel got it. She was described as a Venetian jet setter and lover of the arts. In fact, during her time at the Palazzo, she hosted numerous French and Italian artists, including Henri de Regner and Claude Monet. In fact, Monet painted several impressionistic depictions of the Palazzo Dario, (laughs) including paintings that can still be found today at the Art Institute of Chicago, as well as the National Museum of Art in Wales. I have been to the Chicago Art Institute so many times, I wonder if I've seen those paintings. I I will send you a photo after after we're done recording. Uh how how do you spell Henri's last name? It's Henri D R E G N I E R and the first E has a little over it. So an accent a goo? Sure. I took German and it's not an umlaut. So I would say it would I would say it would be Henri Drenier. That's nothing like what I said. <laughs> I just like to he, I just I, like to put it to work sometimes and see if I remembered how to pronounce no, things. No, please do. Yeah, I mean, if you know French, I don't and oh. I butchered all of this. I mean, like <laughs> Isabel, okay, I'm going to send you Isabel's name and you tell me how to say this. <laughs> We're going to use the Zoom chat, which we never do. Isabel Gontran de la Baume. I, I, I can't figure out that one. Sorry. That's, That's too okay. much. You That's much too much French for this bitch. Izzy. So during <laughs> Izzy's time <laughs> at the Palazzo, uh, she completed one of the largest renovation projects on the building. Quote, the countess is responsible for the staircase, the external chimneys, the majolica (laughs) stoves, the fine carvings in the dining room on the second floor, as well as a great deal of stabilization and replacement of marble on the facade, unquote. So she basically just went to town, fixed a bunch of stuff while having these wild ass parties with these French and Italian artists. And it was insane. It was insane. I would have loved to be there. Although there appears to have been no negative consequences of the Countess's stay, uh, it is said that Henri, how do you say his name again? Henri. Henri. No, Henri. not Henri. Henri. Yeah. I think I said it right the first time. But how do you say the rest of his name? Henri de... Dre... Dre... Wait, hold on. Henri Drenier is how I would pronounce it. Yeah, that guy. Uh, One time he actually had to cut his visit short to the palace due to some sort of a sudden illness. So he was just hanging out. All of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't like it here. I have to go. Anyway, next, Izzy left. Then an American multimillionaire named Charles Briggs owned the house. He, however, was deemed persona non grata and was run out of Italy due to his relationship with another man. There's a lot of uh, homophobia, same sex. Yeah. And same sex, like reoccurring stories in just this one house. Be gay, do crimes. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so he got ran out of Italy and because he couldn't, you know, live in the house that he bought because people were dicks, he sold it. And it is said that shortly after he fled to Mexico where his lover then committed suicide. 
that's so sad. According to allaboutvenice.com, the Palazzo Dario then went without an owner for many years. And it wasn't until after the Second World War in 1964 that the great Italian tenor, the opera singer, uh, Mario Del Monaco, attempted to buy the property. De Monaco. But when he went... If it says Del, it's almost never Del. De. De. I'm almost positive, Mario but I could be wrong. De Monaco. That's, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take your word for it. Again, German. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this fantastic, fancy Italian opera singer, he attempted to buy the property, but when he went to Venice to kind of, like, I don't know, complete the sale, he was in a terrible car accident. And it is said that he screamed from the ambulance to his secretary who was with him, destroy the papers. <laughs> Likely having heard that the building was cursed. And so he was on the way to buy the building. He got in this horrible accident. He's like, destroy those papers. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. Apparently, the accident was pretty significant that it actually deterred his career for a while. So I get it. What does it mean if instead of the word Dell, it's D-E-L-L-E? That I would actually pronounce as Dell. Okay. Well... In the 1970s, Count fuck, uh, Filippo Garanda, Gar, Garando del Lanz. Brittany. I know. <laughs> the look Kayla's giving me is just pure. Hold on. I'm going to send you this one, too. Brittany, I love you. Yeah. Have you ever considered picking stories where you know how to pronounce the names? No, why would I do that? <laughs> All right, Filippo Giordano de Lanz. Filippo Giordano de Lanz. That's my attempt. So Count Phil purchased the building. (laughs) 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 Okay, sorry. Though not long after, he was killed by his friend and potential lover, Raul. Raul then invaded the Italian... Raul. (laughs) Evaded. He evaded. Raul. Raul evaded. What? Raul. It's not Raul? Just think like Raul. I mean, I've heard the name Raul. Like Raul without the G. Raul. Okay. Uh, Raul. (laughs) (laughs) Evaded the Italian police and fled to London where he himself then was murdered. The story is going to be ridiculous to hear back uh the next owner kit lambert can say that one he managed the british rock band the who he fell in love with the sad dark atmosphere of the building and although he did not believe in the curse not long after moving in he succumbed to his drug addiction to the point where he became incapable of managing the band or his personal life he also suffered from a financial breakdown as is the way with men who live in this building and was arrested for drug possession. According to Atlas Obscura, it's said that he used to stay in a hotel nearby just to escape the many ghosts he claimed infested the house. He later passed away in 1981 after being pushed down the stairs by a drug dealer and suffering a cerebral hemorrhage. In the 1980s, 
The palazzo was purchased by a Venetian businessman named Fabrizio Ferrari. I can say that one. Those are all names I can say. That was gorgeous. (laughs) Fabrizio Ferrari, who moved into the house with his sister, Nicoletta. And as did so many men before him during his time at the palace, he lost his fortune and his sister died in a car accident. Fabrizio sold the property to another businessman named Raur Gennardi, who ended up involved in the in some sort of huge Italian corruption scandal in the 90s. And then Raur. <laughs> Raul. Raul. <laughs> right, growl. I was, I was growl. going Raur like it was like a growl. Like you're actually but- growling. <laughs> yeah. He sold the property to this guy uh, who ended up being involved in this huge Italian mob scandal in the 90s. And then that guy, Rawl, <laughs> whatever, and that guy Wait, how is committed suicide in 1993. It's R-A-U-L. Yeah, Raul. Raul. <laughs> okay. Raul committed suicide in 1993. This bitch has Good never God. read Phantom of the Opera. I haven't. I've only ever seen it on Broadway, motherfucker. (laughs) I've seen it on off-Broadway like four fucking times. Don't try to front at me. What? Uh, According to Atlas Obscura, quote, At the turn of the 21st century, Woody Allen considered buying the Palazzo Dario, uh, but changed his mind, allegedly after reading about all of these strange and tragic deaths that are connected to the house, and as recently as 2002, uh, the Who's original bass player, John Entwistle, passed away suffering from a heart attack just one week after renting the palace. Unquote. I'm torn. Okay. On the fact that, like, I'm glad Woody Allen didn't buy it because Woody Allen shouldn't have nice things. But also. But also, like, what if Woody Allen was dead because he bought it? Yeah. Anyway. Because maybe... People just get their comeuppance. Yeah. Except for all those probably wonderful gay men who yeah. had a horrible luck after. Yes, you're correct. Afterwards. And while the locals believe that a curse could be the result of the plazo being built over an old Templar cemetery, throughout the centuries of death and financial ruins, it does appear that only one or two of the deaths associated with the Palazzo Dario actually took place in the building. Okay. So... Do you think that their the deaths are actually connected to the house? Is the house really cursed, or is it just a really old house? And these are what happen after you know several centuries of existing. But that, my friends, is the story of the Palazzo Dario, aka the house that kills. Okay. Woof. I made a lot of jokes through that, mostly about pronunciations fully recognizing that I can't pronounce shit either. Like, I get that. I know, and yet you're like, Brittany, why would you take a story that you can't pronounce? I'm like, Kayla, Kayla, I just don't know the correct pronunciation when you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, recognizing all of that, and 
Raul. Come on, just. Uh, I do think that when a house is a certain age, yes, a certain amount of deaths is to be expected, but that seemed extreme. Yes. That's, that's kind of what I was vibing on. Like, and it's weird that it's not a lot of murders. It's not haunting. Like it is haunting. Like, like there's a, like, it's almost cursed. But it's not like something where one of the stories where you've told me were like, oh, by the way, a lot of people have died here and now hear these ghosts. You're like, no, this house just has a vibe and people die. Yeah. It, you, people hang out at the house and then they die. Um, but Woody Allen generally, which is unfortunate. I know. Dumb. Okay. So on a skeptic scale, paranormal. One being normal. Five being para. <sighs> I don't normally do this part. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a four because obviously we're not getting any tales of. Did you when you were doing research? Did you get any any hauntedness at all? We didn't talk about it, but did you get any hauntedness? The literal only thing I have is when the manager from the Who told his friends, "quote." It said he used to stay in a hotel nearby to escape the many ghosts he claimed infested the house. And there were several sources that said a version of that. So he was telling people that he could not always stay in the house because he thought that there were too many spirits in it. Okay. Okay. But that's it. That's it. See, and that is it weird that that makes me tempted to rate it higher? Because that means no, it's all I, in their heads. I kind of feel that's... the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. It's cursed. I agree. It's, I'm going to give it a four, four for cursed. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Me too. All right. Sweet. Okay. Uh, again, I, I apologize, listeners. If you if you went into that thinking that it might be scary because of my content warning, and then you just have us laughing at how I cannot pronounce anything that is remotely French. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, geez. All right. So on that really depressing location but like good story but depressing location note i have a reddit story for you this week i'm ready okay so this was posted in paranormal that's my favorite subreddit lately and it was posted only a day ago by user dead las wax wings see now who can't pronounce what kayla d e d a e d a-L-U-S-W-A-X-W-I-N-G-S. Like, it's all... Usernames are difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so are French names, Kayla. <laughs> so this was posted... Already got a really high rating for just one day ago. With awesome. With the title, My House Party Took a Strange Turn. Ooh. I bought my first house nine months ago. It's a huge accomplishment for me. On the evening after I closed on the house, I had a little champagne toast in the new place. I invited my boyfriend, my sister, who we will call Jay, her four-year-old daughter, who we'll call M, my best friend, Aunt T, and my son and brother, who live with me. It only lasted an hour or two. I gave everybody the tour. My best friend and Jay wanted to stop in every room and talk about my plans for it. I ordered pizza, and we had a champagne toast. 
My niece, M, had a great time running through the house. She and my sister have a 700-foot square apartment, so my place seemed huge to her. Nice, nice. M loved my room. I have a closet in my room with a built-in pedestal kind of thing, so we sat her on it and joked that it could be her room. All in all, it was a good time. Everyone who didn't live there headed out around the same time, starting with J and M, because it was a school night. Not even five minutes after J and M left, my sister calls me, still driving home. My sister sounded shaken, and I was worried for a second that her car broke down or she got into an accident. But no. Jay says that she asked M if she had a good time, and if she liked Aunt D's. That's what the, we're going to pronounce that username now. And if okay. she liked Aunt D's new place. M said, yeah, I had fun with Aunt D, Aunt T, and the little girl. Oh, no. My sister said that she actually pumped the brakes on the car because her instinct was to stop the car in its tracks. There were no other children in that house that night except for M. Jay is trying not to scare M, but she wants to know more. So she gently asks, oh, what little girl? M says, the one that was standing behind Aunt D all night. My sister pressed her a little more and asked M what the little girl looks like. And M says she has long black hair and a pretty blue dress. My sister asked if the little girl spoke to her, and M said no. She was shy, but they had fun chasing each other throughout the house, and the little girl was sitting in her house, a.k.a. my closet, when we opened the door. M had hesitated to walk into the closet at first, and I didn't know why, but now I knew why. Apparently, I have a little girl ghost in my house, and she likes my closet and me. My house was built in the 1900s, so it has a long history, but I haven't looked into the history yet. I have not seen or heard a thing in this house since I moved in, but I did not sleep well those first few nights. And one of the first advices given was, um, don't go out of your way to acknowledge or interact with it. If it wants interaction, it'll make it apparent to you. The nature of how it makes its desire to be acknowledged will determine what your next step should be. If it's aggressive, then definitely burn some sage or have some more experience cleanse your house. If it does nothing, or at least nothing that could be perceived as aggression, just leave it be. And I would love to thank that Redditor for pointing that out. Like, don't get aggressive with ghosts just because they make their presence known to younger people. Younger people are more perceptive. Just, like, leave it alone. Right. If you didn't have a niece, you may have never known. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I've never, I mean... How many episodes has it been where we haven't mentioned Zach Baggins? Oh, yeah. Don't be a Baggins. Don't be a Baggins. He's a little bitch. <laughs> I was trying to do something with rhyming, and it didn't quite didn't quite land yep. where, I was, where I was going. But you get it. You get it. Get you, it. There's no reason to be aggressive. Because, yes, you might never know that it's she's there. And if she's cool, you cool, we cool, we're all cool together. Exactly. If you have a story to suggest, a location, a story of your own to share, please send it to us, leftofskeptic at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. Or if you're on like Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify, you can click the link tree in our bio and go right from there. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whatever you are more comfortable with, but please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Left of Skeptic, and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. I have a 
before we sign off, I have two quick things. Okay. One fun thing and one request for our listeners. Okay. If you are in the Duluth area and happen to be around on July 22nd, stop on down to R.T. Quinlan's bar in downtown Duluth for my birthday party. Birthdays. It is open to everybody. It is a show. Sean's band, Narwhals, is going to be playing. We're also going to have Boogeyman and Megatron, and it's going to be a really great time. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That's a great show. It's me and my friends, Gage's birthday, and we're going to have an awesome time, and I'm really excited about it. So, Friday, July 22nd July. <laughs> at 8 p.m. Please come. Awesome. Awesome. And then I, uh, that's the good news, and then on a bit of a uh, personal request from me to everybody else, please. Uh, okay. My grandpa is had a surgery recently uh heart surgery and things are going not so awesome because so i could use anybody's uh good intentions thoughts uh spells vibes vibes, prayers whatever you do you just throw those out there for my grandpa gary i would appreciate it I, I I don't often ask for these things and it feels weird to do it on a podcast but honestly at this point it's been weeks and I'm like ready for anything so please and thank you yep yep and I love awesome. you all and appreciate you Sorry all very that. much and thank you for coming you look so uncomfortable right now I feel so weird but like I don't know what else to do at this point I'm just asking for anything any help at this point no I agree I, I yeah yeah so Send if I can vibes, put it out the there spells, to the our goodness. regular listeners so that I could amplify my, like, intentions I'm putting out into the world, I'm going to do it. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. So. That's that's what they're here for. Thank you all very much, and we love you very much. Love you very much. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! First fun thing, if you are in the Duluth area and happen to be around... On Friday, January 22nd, stop on by R.T. Quinlan's because I am having a birthday party with my friend Gage. So January 22nd? Or, excuse me, July, January. Sorry. I was going to say, uh, January 22nd is Hillary's birthday. Oh, wow. But nice. it's not yours. Yeah. Okay, start again. <laughs>